Thank you for having us. Um, we have quite a story. Uh, Matt's probably going to start. I'm just going to say a little prelude. Um, kind of a s- story in the Bible that really is what I want you guys to really take from this is the prophet Ezekiel, where the Valley of Dry Bones. That's what God has really spoke to us about our marriage and has really clearly spoken that God is a God who um, brings things to life that were actually completely dead. So no, not even a sliver of a chance. Dry bones are, you don't be, bring a pile of dry bones to the hospital and say, doctor, please do something, right? That's completely impossible. Our, our marriage story is what I want you guys to, whatever you guys are going through, there is a God who is a God of impossible, where there is death and graves. Um, and that would be our story. And so I just want you guys to know that there is hope. I don't care if it's been buried in your life. So that's just kind of the prelude to our story. Yes, um, very, well, very well said. Um, so just briefly, I guess, who we are. Uh, introduction before we get into our uh, testimony. Um, as uh, Randy mentioned, uh, Matt and Sarah Wolgamuth, we live in Winnipeg right now. We were both born and raised in Swan River, Manitoba. Um, we, um, what we do, we have two kids, uh, 11-year-old daughter, uh, 8-year-old boy, uh, keeps us very busy, and in our spare time we do work for a living. Um, I work for uh, Richardson International, um, which is a grain company if you're from Yorkton area, there's a few facilities around here. I work in the office in Winnipeg in the grain merchandising department, and Sarah is a fitness instructor for a gym in uh, Winnipeg recently. That's who we are. Um, well. <laughs> so, thank you. Uh, as you can see, and as they were mentioning before, we're very normal people, and we live a normal life. Um, but we got a very good uh, God, So, uh, which we're going to tell you about our story. Um, we're going to try to keep this under an hour, 45 minutes. We better get rolling. Um, first off, I guess a little bit about myself. I grew up in Swan River. Um, I grew up in a, in a community, in a church um, that was, uh, I guess I could say I was a bit sheltered from, uh, from um, a lot of life at that point in my life, the first 14 years of my life, I guess I should say. Um, I spent, in, uh, uh, I made friends, um, um, with, I was with family, um, and uh, in that community, I guess, I was born and raised. Um, when I was in uh, grade 8 or 9, I guess, 14, 15 years old, um, my family did leave that um, that church, um, and we did uh, we did start moving to a different church. So, so in that process, as a 14-year-old boy, I guess I was um, kind of removed from from my friends, uh, from the people I knew, from my acquaintances, and and starting a new life, kind of a new school, new church, new uh, new new a lot of things. So, um, at the time, 14, you're you're uh, you're kind of in that that stage of uh, trying to fit in and all that. Um, and looking back at the time, I didn't really dwell on it, but looking back, that was a very difficult time for me and it, it did affect me a lot um, as it was basically a fresh start um, coming from one life and leading into another. Um, so in that process, um, I started getting involved in, in some sports. Um, hockey, I really loved hockey, so I started getting involved in organized hockey. Um, it wasn't too long, I guess, um, after I started into hockey, I started to, uh, we, we were still going to church, but I started getting into more of, the, more of that lifestyle, um, the, the drinking, the partying, um, um, but I guess reeling back a little bit, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe uh, stop, because w- when I did go to the, go to the change of schools, uh, me and Sarah didn't grow up together, but when I was um, going into this new school, um, that's when I met Sarah, actually, which would have been in grade uh, 10. Um, I was the oldest of five, and I was lucky to have parents that raised us with God from the get-go kind of in, in our life. I was put in a Christian school, um, and I had really a loving, supportive home, but what I do know is that Satan, there is a, a devil who is Satan out to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will use anything to get in and to start to lie to us about who we are and who we aren't. Um, And so being the oldest of five, obviously 
um, having my parents having four after me, that's busy. And so I felt as a child, true or not, that I was kind of pushed to the side and um, they were busy with the other ones. And so I started to feel, and Satan really used that to, to start to feel like, well, I guess I'm not that important because everybody's too busy to kind of see me or be with me or hang out with me. And so I started to really, as a young child, start to absorb some lies already. As a young child, Satan would see, see, they don't have time for you. See, you're not really worth much. And so as a, a young child, I actually started to absorb a lot of that. Um, not at any fault of, of my parents or my family, but Satan will get in and he wants to, right? He wants to destroy. So I started to absorb that and really start to believe that about myself that, you know, I'm not worth that much and paying attention to um and so I would go through things as a child painful stuff and I remember always crying alone in my room um I would cry I would go through stuff and I would I didn't feel like I could go to my parents or to anybody and so I learned as a young one to um absorb and put everything inside and I had to deal with emotional pain alone is how I felt um which were lies but I really really believed that that was my reality so as I um, came into teenage years, I started to really question and start to be, I became very hateful almost and, and um, angry at God. Who is this God? Nobody's ever really sh paid attention to me. I'm not sure that I like this God full of rules. All anybody has said is don't do this, don't do this. And I wanted the whys. I, I, I needed to know, well, why? And and who is this God? Does he actually love me? I don't really feel like I'm that um, noticed by the people close to me. And so I started to really want to test and rebel and push back. Um, and so in grade 10 is when Matt and I met. And we immediately became friends. He was kind of this mystery boy who appeared out of nowhere. And I was now in a new school. So we both went to this new school at this, the same year. And I remember he was kind of quiet. And, and I liked that when we were by ourselves, he would, he's not quiet at all, if you get to know him. But I liked that not a lot of people knew that about him, and so we really hit it off right away, hey? We hung out for probably two years, for sure. We became, I would say he was my best friend. I journaled about him, oh my gosh. Oh, his eyes, and he's just, he's the one, and I can't wait till someday he realizes I'm the one, and I was very in love with him already, waiting and waiting and waiting for him to actually realize he was in love with me, too. He didn't catch on for quite a while. Yeah, I, I was completely oblivious. Yes. Um, yeah, so we, we kind of met, and we started hanging out in high school, um, and as I mentioned, uh, it wasn't long after, after go getting into high school and getting to hockey, um, I... St I uh, I tried um, uh, alcohol for the first time, um, 16, 17 years old. And as Sarah mentioned, I, I was kind of a quiet, shy person. Um, but my first experience uh, with alcohol really impacted my life because re it really made me feel like something that I wasn't, but it made me feel good. And, and um, I, I would say since the very first time I tried alcohol, I, I, would ha I had some sort of a drinking problem. It progressed uh, throughout the years uh, to get much worse, but it definitely was a not a very good thing for me at the very beginning. I mean, I, I drank. I, I got drunk the first time, I guess. Um, and uh, I have a, a, a bit of an addictive personality. And the one thing I want to touch on, too, because this comes into play later in the testimony, but I also I stumbled upon pornography at a very young age. Um, back in the day when there was no internet pornography, um, but I still stumbled upon it. Um, and that was something that really had a grip on my life too from, from 12, 13 years old all the way till, well, we'll touch on it later, but uh, just a number of years ago. Um, well, I guess we touched a little bit on, we did eventually, eventually I caught on um, that, she, that. oh, she's going to tell that part. Okay. okay. So... <laughs> I kissed another boy, actually, in my experimenting. Uh, we both started drinking, kind of, and getting into that wild scene. And I kissed another boy, and I told him. And he kind of got jealous. And so that's what actually started him admitting that maybe he had feelings for me. And, um, but because we were both in a very rocky, rocky place, it did not last. He was in his, as he said, realizing this addiction, or he wasn't realizing it, he was full into that party scene um, drinking, and I was just getting started with it, and what I got from alcohol was all of a sudden I realized, coming from a place of not really feeling worth much to people, I started to notice that, oh, boys noticed 
me and my physical body. And that started to give me a little bit of this, I think that feels kind of good, like I'm noticed. I'm, somebody's noticing me. And, and first it was with Matt, but after two weeks of him realizing he was in love, as, or so I thought, we actually, he broke up with me and broke my heart. Um, and it wasn't good. I, I was absolutely actually heartbroken. I remember I journaled about after he had broken up with me and I said, I'm never going to love anybody again. And I guess I went into a bit of a depression probably actually because I was losing not only my best friend or I was not only had we dated, but I was losing my best friend of two years too, right? And I really believe that God knew the future and I believe that I loved him and I was supposed to, but Satan wanted to kill us from the start. So he was trying to keep us apart. I 100% believe that. And so I hated him for breaking my heart and um, just kind of he was pursuing other girls in front of me when we were dating and I, it was just not good. And so I became really hurt and almost I internalized that and became a person of noticing other men and so starting to kind of try and fill this void of, oh, you like me. Okay, good. That fills me. I feel good. And um, and so I kind of went on a downhill spiral from there where I started to drink more and more and more. And, at, and then at age 18, I put myself in a situation and I was actually raped um, at age 18, which I had not given my, away my virginity up until I was... Or, you know, I hadn't given away. When I was raped, um, what happened to me is I internalized a lot of self-revenge on myself. Um, how could you have been so stupid? And um, now look at your, your you're worthless, completely worthless. Like I thought at least if I kept my virginity, I had a little bit left of worth that I could someday give to somebody. But when that was stolen from me, I, I really thought I have, I am nothing. What do I have? Um, and I started to really just go on a spiral of I would just, any man. And it was, it was a, a punishment towards myself. You don't deserve anything. So you, yeah, him, okay. You, you deserve to go with any man that wants. Kind of, it was a, so rather than um, a power thing, it was a self-revenge thing. So I, any man that looked at me, I gave myself to him and um, got into an abusive relationship at probably a year after that for th three years I was with a guy who was very very physically and emotionally abusive um, um, would drag me around the house I would be holding on to the fridge or the stove and he'd be dragging me trying to push me outside and lo lots of bruises um, uh, cops involved it was really bad but what I what I did was at that point I had, because of the low self-worth, what we do is we, get, we grasp for any way to find it. And so then I thought, well, here's my self-worth. I'll stay with this guy, and I'll love him like nobody else has loved him, and I'll help him. And so good, now I have some worth. Now I have a way to have some worth in this world. And so that was my lie to myself was, okay, now this is how I'm going to be worth something. As People are going to say, wow, good for you for sticking with him, and look at how you love him. And so just lies, right? Satan used everything he could to, to show me that you're worth nothing. You need to constantly search outside of God for this value or worth that I was looking for. So that was kind of where it took me after we were together for a while. Yeah, and after we had separated, uh, Sarah had mentioned her own little journey. Uh, my journey went the other way. I started to uh, get a lot more involved in, in alcohol and drugs um, for the next four or five years, six years, I guess, um, into my early 20s. Um, and as I mentioned, the, with, the, with the pornography and, and, the, and the sexual sin that, that comes with, with, the, with, with that, um, spurred on by the, the alcohol and the, and, the, and the partying and all that. Um, and then I got involved in a bit of an unhealthy relationship, I guess, as well, that I, that I really clung to at, the, at that time in my life. Um, and, uh, and it, it ended pretty badly, I guess, uh, as badly as, as uh, that kind of relationship can end. And um, anyways, after that, I, I kind of transitioned from, it was in my early 20s, um, from the partying and, the, and that kind of lifestyle to just, to just being a, a full-blown alcoholic, just drinking each day just to get by. And I started to really uh, go downhill really fast. Um, I, I was, uh, I was uh, going to university. I got kicked out of school, um, just living on my own, kind of taking money from my parents. Um, uh, I never, I never uh, lost my, my uh, apartment or anything, but just uh, really going downhill and just kind of 
drinking every day and living a kind of a hermit lifestyle. Um, and then uh, somehow in that midst or that fog or that, that hole, um, we ran into each other again. That was five years later. We came into each other's lives. So I was living my life. He was doing his thing. A lot of pain and hurt and we were pretty broken people. We found each other again and now he's my rescue because he's an alcoholic and I had things together is what I'm telling myself. Now I am going to rescue this guy. Yes, I have another person I can have find some worth, right? So he kind of became my project to find that worth. To, but yet those feelings arise again of this was the guy that I loved and here he is again. And I, I tried to suppress them. They came up pretty fast. So a series of events, obviously we are together. So um, I, we ended up, I ended up getting pregnant. We are not together other than just being friends and doing things. And so there is now a pregnancy and kind of throws us for a loop. Uh, obviously he's in a bad place, I'm in a bad place, and, but uh, what I knew when I, as soon as I got pregnant, I knew inside that I would not raise my child without God, and so that kind of was a little bit of a turning point for me, where I was like, you're out of my life, I need to figure out my life, I'm going to be a single mom, I'm going to figure this out, I'm going to get God in my life, and heal myself, and raise this baby right, so I kind of kicked him out, or said like, see you later, I'm, you're, you figure your life out, and I went and disappeared. I worked and uh, just had a summer with God where God really started to speak to me. I read a book called Captivating by Stacey Eldridge. At that point in my life, it was so hugely impactful as far as my value and worth and beauty. And I just remember crying and, and saying, you know, God, the next guy that I'm ever with, he, I need to feel like I am pursued for once, where I have some value and stuff, and I kind of made some vows with God, like I need to feel that you're, you love me enough to send me somebody that would treasure me, you know, and um, so then you ended up finding me, and then I'm trying to speed Yeah, through that process, I guess, uh, I, I really hit a, a, a rock bottom, um, and then I, I started uh, getting into recovery, into, into Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, and really starting to, for the first time in my life, I guess, at that point, pursue uh, God. Because I really, I came to that point where I knew that this was either life or death for me. I was going to die the road I was on um, sooner rather than later. Um, so I started to get clean. Uh, and as soon as I started to get a little bit of sobriety and, and clean up a little bit, I, I obviously remembered uh, Sarah and her being pregnant. So I, I tracked her down in her, uh, at her secluded island. And then and that was a summer of God really confirming that, yes, we were t supposed to be together. He really did pursue me that summer. Some of the stuff I had asked God to show me about just being pursued, he really did. He, he was the first one to say, you know, I'm falling in love with you. And I said, I didn't say nothing. And I made him wait the whole summer um, until God confirmed. And yes, and we ended up that, yes, this was it. And he was going to be there. And uh, so we had our daughter. Yeah, I think um, the one thing I wanted to touch on here, um, Sarah was obviously when, when we got into each other's lives, Sarah was uh, four or five months pregnant um, through that summer. Uh, I struggled to stay sober. I go 30 days, 40 days, whatever, fall off. Um, uh, the night our daughter was born, um, I was three or four days sober. Um, Sarah was in labor. She was just about ready to give birth. I, we were in the hospital in Dauphin, Manitoba. And I remember, I always cry at this part, but that's okay. Um, before I went up to, uh, to see her, I, I walked by the, uh, the chapel, and I remember just <clears throat> I just got, went to the front, the lights were off, it was dark in there, knelt down, and I'd never really done something like that before, but I just begged God to, uh, to help me, because I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't be a dad with, uh, with um, the way I was. Um, and uh, I can honestly say from that day forward, um, God held up his end of the bargain because I have not had a drink since that day. Thank you. Um, so anyways, um, moving forward from there, um, we ended up uh, a, a few years, I guess, after she was born, we ended up getting married. Um, um, and where do we want to go from here? So obviously we... We never had that foundation of God. We came, God always brought us back together, but we never had 
we had yet to learn how to deal with our stuff. I, I was coming from rape and, and abusive stuff. He was coming from his alcoholism. And now we're together with a new baby and trying to do life. And there was no, we just had no clue. And we had not that, we didn't have that strong foundation of God. God met Matt. Um, he met me in bringing Matt to me, but yet we, uh, we kind of just, well, thanks God and yeah. moved on from him sort of thing, right? For me personally, it was, I, I really got in touch with God and I started to pursue God and he got a hold of me obviously in the beginning with the recovery but but it wasn't long before i, I kind of fell away from the recovery um and as as i mentioned before i was still carrying the, the addiction of uh, of uh pornography and the sex addiction and, and i hadn't let that go even through the alcohol recovery so as soon as i let go of uh, recovery i mean i brought that into the marriage right and unknown to to anybody really in my life and sp specifically my wife um i was i was still carrying a secret addiction into our marriage and that really brought me away from God quite quickly as that pr progressed. Yeah, I was really living a double life, really, is what it was. Yeah. So from, that, the, from the beginning of our marriage. Yeah, that part I didn't know about. Um, and I just remember the first year I was in postpartum depression, and that was horrible. Um, and carrying all the stuff I carried, I was a really just angry kind of, I have to protect myself, all my walls were up. And I, at this point, um, our marriage never, it didn't start good and it wasn't good. Um, we, unknown to me, there was that double life. And also on my side, I just didn't know how to love. I didn't know how to be vulnerable or real or, and so I really, I remember, like, my, my heart's desire was always to pursue God and, and to live a life uh, that I, that you, you know, you think of the, him being the leader and me, you know, like just that beautiful, uh, I guess, dream that I had had, but it wasn't, that wasn't reality. And reality was, I, I remember telling him, I'll walk all over you if you let me. And he let me. And so I lost all respect for him and I walked all over him. And I was the boss. I took us to church. I got us involved in you know, marriage or, or courses or whatever. And I just began to hate him for being the one to um, kind of let me just kind of call the shots. Uh, but at the same time, I'm the one that's doing that, right? Like I'm getting angry at him for letting me, but I am still not coming, you know, I, you know what I mean? I was blaming always on him rather than looking at, well, what am I doing, right? So I was very good at blaming. Um, yeah, and I just, I mean, just so you know, when you get, when you get into something that you're hiding and you're living a double life, um, eventually I got to a place where, where everything that I did revolved around protecting that secret. So if I needed to pretend, um, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm distanced from God, I'm, I'm afraid of God, um, I don't even know really how to have a relationship with God yet, um, but really my main goal in life, and I would do anything to protect it, was my, was my secret. Um, anything, right? I was willing to give up anything, and, and I basically lost everything because of it. But, but that was kind of where we were at. I was, she, like she said, she wanted a leader. I couldn't lead. Uh, I would follow. I would agree. Yes, let's do this. Well, whatever that keeps the that keeps the uh, wolf away from the door, or whatever, you, however you want to put it, right? It keeps uh, it, it keeps my cover going. Um, and, and not that you're doing it consciously, because it's 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 a kind of a subconscious thing. But you really are uh, are hiding something, and you are you are willing to do whatever it takes and sacrifice whatever you have to to protect something, because that you at that point in my life, I loved that pornography and 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 that lifestyle more than I loved anything. Yeah, so I guess every year it just kind of got worse and worse. It was always constantly we're hitting a wall. There was no intimacy. Um, it just couldn't get there. And um, so I just, yeah, like it was more, I guess he was kind of in the basement living his life. I was living my life. We were very separate. So it was just a slow progression until you reach that point where I just re remember reaching that point thinking, I have nothing left for him. I have Nothing. We had tried the last-ditch efforts, you know, and, and he, we would go and get some help, and it would be good for a little while, and then we just hit that wall again. And, and, um, and so I just started to leave him mentally. So my mind became the place where my retreat was. So I would never, 
or so I thought. I will never be unfaithful or, or, or any of that, but I'll, I'll just have my little life in my head where, oh, I see it, the guy at the gym. I'm just going to fantasize about that because this at home is nothing. And so I'll just, I guess that's how I'm going to get through the, the rest of our marriage is just having this kind of mental um, life in my head because I don't know how to get you know, get over this, whatever was happening there. And so I really um, just, that, that, that mental um, fantasy life is a huge thing. And I, I know people would say, well, how, um, how could you have had that affair? Or, you know, you'll read stories. And I 100% can tell you that it always starts in here. Always. And there's scriptures about it. You lo- I'm always bad with saying the scripture. What's the one about you lust? If you lost after, well, it's referring to Ben, but if you yeah. lost after a woman in your heart, you've, I mean, you've, it's the same thing as right. doing it. Yeah. So it's, it's the same. He says it about men, but it's the same for women. We lust in our, right? We've done it. God sees that as we've done it. And so um, unknown to me what that was doing was, was kind of my morals were kind of going down and down and down because I, li- I kept just living in this, this in my head. And... Um, trying to think if I'm missing anything. I, I remember um, Matt saying, it, let's, okay, let's just, we, I had probably had fought or something. He said, okay, let's just like give me a list of stuff that I can do and you give, and we'll give each other a list of stuff that we can do, like that I could do, right, to, how did you word it? Yeah, something about, I don't really remember, but it was something about we make a list of things that we, that we like about each other or something along that line. Um, I make a list about what things I like about you. You make a list about me. Or that we wanted each other to do. Or that we wanted each other to do, maybe, like yeah. acts of service, I guess, something like that, yeah. And at that point, that's when I realized um, I actually have nothing that I want him to do. I don't, I don't want him to try anymore because there's actually, he, he could, for the next year, be sweet and, I don't know, just kind of, Try try his best, but I actually have com- had completely turned my my heart had turned to stone to him completely. I had nothing of that, and, I, and that, at that point I realized no, I I I actually in in my head and t- to him I remember saying I am at the point of you're a roommate who I actually hate. I I, I have come to a place of hating you, and I I am like I have nothing. And uh, that, that's a pretty sad place to be. And uh, so my retreat became um, going out to, it was a CrossFit gym and, and I'm in fitness and stuff and that was kind of my out. So he would come home, for instance, or, or I guess this is an instance of where we were at. I remember being away for three days. I came home um, and he was in the basement and he came up maybe half an hour later after he had heard me and we said, hey, hey. How are the kids? Good, good. Okay. And then he went down to the basement and that was it. So that's kind of where we were at, we were at, at that, this point. Um, and so my retreat was he would come home and I would literally jet out that door. I didn't want to be around him. And um, I would go to the gym and do my thing. And it was kind of like a team thing. Lots of, I could visit and hang out with people. And so I'd end up spending two hours or three hours and just kind of spending my time there rather than at home and really just kind of shutting down emotionally and you and yeah i mean the the honest truth is for me at that time uh, alone time was was my enemy but I, I liked it right i liked alone time so the more she was away the the more i just went deeper so at that point um i i got a text one day from one of the gentleman at the gym, and I remember getting the text, it was very innocent, just, hey, I, I guess, I, whatever, just a n- normal, nothing wrong with the text, but in my spirit, I felt like a, uh-uh, Sarah, don't reply, and I remember he kind of hearing that or feeling that, and totally saying, oh, I'm replying, I don't care, and I knew, I knew in my spirit where this was going to go, and I wanted it. And so I texted back, and it was a progression. And as I said, I had already mentally gone here, guys. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, how could... I had left Matt 
years ago already, and now I had mentally already been unfaithful to him. And so now the opportunity presented itself, and somebody noticed me and asked me how my day was and cared and was seeing, checking in, and oh man, did that fill that void that I, or so I thought, right? That void that I'm worth something to somebody. And so I was now back to that place of years ago in that abusive relationship. Now here I am again. I'm, oh, somebody wants me. I'm worth something. Yes. And so I wanted it. And I had no, I, I remember being so shocked when it became physical. I remember became, being so shocked that I had no guilt. I didn't, I was so shut down to all emotion, guilt, everything. I remember walking in the door of our house and thinking, I don't feel any, I don't feel b- bad. I don't feel like, wow, like it kind of scared me that I was that shut down. Um, but I thought, you know what? And then there was that voice inside saying, you were going to screw this up anyway. You always screw things up. People always leave you. You're not worth anything. So you might as well just get this over with, get it into light, let everybody know how much of a screw up you are and have some fun along the way. It's kind of the, the voices that were going on with me. So I thought, yeah, you're right. Everybody, my families are all going to know I'm the screw up again. Here we go. So you know what? Let's just have some fun with this and my marriage and my kids. Yeah, I wrecked everything. You're right. And, uh, but I don't care. I, I was just, that's where I was at. Um, I'm not going to candy coat it and say I was just, oh, so guilt ridden. No, I wasn't at all. And, um, I remember the day I became physical, I, I made a vow I would not ever touch him again and just wait and see how long it took him to ask me if something was up. Um, we already weren't barely physical. It was, I think it was a kiss in the morning, goodbye. Um, and so I, when he would come to kiss me, I would just turn away. And I thought, I'm just going to wait it out, see how long it takes to ask me. He'll ask me, and then I'm going to say the marriage is over, and this is going to be the end of our marriage. So, Yeah, and sadly, what the state of our marriage, it probably took a, a month, right, for me to figure it out, something was wrong. So that's how, that's how dysfunctional and how, how um, distant we were. It probably took a full month with, with no physical contact for me to finally say, finally, I, I noticed that something is not right. Something's not right. And then um, I guess when I noticed, it still didn't hit me. Uh, what I'm, I'm hiding something. I'm, I'm so I have such a two separate lives. I'm still kind of going one one to the other. Um, but I knew something wasn't right. So so I started to ask questions, um, which I never really got an answer. Um, and that's when I started to kind of freak out because I had this perfect little life built, um, protecting my my addiction. Um, and then I started to figure out that maybe maybe things are falling apart here. My, 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 my family, my wife, my kids, um, it's not what it seems to be. So um, I really started to, to, I started to panic, I guess, um, or, or first off, because I, I really wanted to know what was going on. I never, I never really um, assumed that it was an affair. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking that really. I just, I didn't really know. Um, so I started to really get belligerent and, and start to ask questions and really push, push you to figure out what was going on and, and try, because I wanted to fix it, because I wanted it to be like it was before, where I was safe and comfortable. What's that? Yeah, so I guess his world started to kind of crumble, and I was just kind of preparing to figure out how we were going to do this with the kids, and I'd already went there. Like, I wasn't, there was nothing left in our marriage. That wasn't even on my radar. It was just, how long is this going to take, and man, it's going to be messy, but oh well, we're just going to have to do this. And um, so then... He finally pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, and so, okay, I'm going to tell him. He's asked, and anything before that? Well, we, yeah, we, were, we had some really, the, this, the, the cool part about our story is that we had a really good couple in our lives that had been in there for a few years, uh, a really good godly couple um, that God had put in our lives, so the, the agreement was we were going to go to their place to meet. Sarah had set it up because she was obviously thinking that that was where our marriage was going to end. Um, it was a safe place, I guess, and that kind of thing. Um, God started to work in me the the, the days before um, leading up to this. Uh, I started to break down, I guess. Um, and the, and they say it says in Psalms about uh, the only real sacrifice that God is looking for is a broken spirit. Um, and that's what happened to me. I just I find I started to break. Um, I started to just yeah I, I broke. I, I just couldn't fight it anymore. And and uh, and I knew that my whole world was coming to an end. Um, I didn't know what was going on. Um, but the morning that we were going to meet, I phoned. Uh, the guy, the, the husband of our mentors, um, they knew what was going on. Sarah had informed them. And, uh, 
And that morning, um, that was the first time I ever heard God speak to me. I'd never, I never knew how to talk to God, how to, how to do all that stuff. But he just came. I didn't ask him. He just, he just came to me. And, and he said, uh, you need to tell her everything. And I was like, God, like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you're seeing what's going on down here, but I don't think this is a very good time for that. Um, but no, it's like I had to share everything. Um, or he asked me to share it. I didn't have to. Um, and uh, and uh, I asked my mentor, I said, what's going on? Um, and he said, well, just, he said, you better prepare for the worst. He's kind of alluding to what was going on. And then I just told him, I said, before she shares anything, I, I, I'm going to have to say something. Um, and then anyways, we, uh, that's when we met up and it ended up just being me and you. So we just drove out there. <clears throat> As I said, God kind of had these mentors in place already, which was kind of cool because he's, <laughs> he's not limited by time. He sees the future, right? So he had set up this kind of guardrails for us already. So we went, I had told her what I was doing and that I was ready to end it. And she had said, well, maybe you want us to be around. And I was like, okay, well, we'll be in your driveway anyway. So... Anyway, we went out there and we parked and I'm now having no clue about his stuff. I'm just ready to share what I've been doing and now this is that, right? We're going to be done. So I said, okay. And then he says, stop before you say anything. And then he laid out this addiction that had been hidden for the eight years or, yeah, the amount of time Our we were all marriage, together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Plus, yeah. yeah. So um, that just infuriated me. Because I, I was so shut down to him, I remember just being like, oh, uh, all right, good. So I had something to tell you, which, you know what, I'm actually glad that I have something, to, like some ammo against you. Now you, I had some choice words in there. Uh, I cannot believe our whole marriage, are you kidding me, has been a lie. And it just, it was, it was too much to, to process, right? I, I was just ready to tell him my stuff. And... And then now I'm processing this whole, our whole life has been a double life. And what does that even mean? And needless to say, it was like a World War III. Um, and we stormed off and he went in and I was crying and she came out and the guy was with him and she was with me. And, and nobody knew about Matt's side of things. So even our mentors, right, Matt, Matt had hidden it from everybody. So this was a shock to them too that there was Matt's side of things. Um, obviously, I'd shared the boat mine. And um, so I remember just getting in the car. We First, we blew up at each other in there in front of them for a while. And then um, I got in the car, and as I was driving back, he was staying there. I got a call, and it's her. And she says, come back just for like five minutes. Matt just has something to say to you. And I was like, there is nothing. Like, it's been years. I have nothing. There, it's just words. What do you know? She's like, Sarah, just come back promise. You don't have to say anything. You're just going to listen. Then you're going to leave and you can go back to Winnipeg. Okay, fine. So I come back there and he's sitting at the table with our mentors and he has like a little sheet of paper and I sit on across the table from him and I'm just sitting there and I can't, obviously we can't look at each other really. And he, I remember him saying, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And our mentor says, you got to, Matt, you got to just do it. And so he just read, and, and the, the, it was like a little letter, and it just said, um, Sarah, I, I am so sorry for leaving our marriage uncovered um, and not being the man that God would ask every man to be in the, in the home um, and for leaving the whole family uncovered and open. Um, I'll never blame you or be angry at you for what happened, for what you did, uh, because I take full responsibility for not being that man I should have been and stepping up. And whether I ever get you back or not from this day forward, the right thing to do is to choose to be the man of God God asked me to be, whether it's with you or not. And so from this day forward, I'm just saying, vowing out loud that I'm going to be the man that I'm supposed to be, um, you know, whether that's with you or not. And, it, and that was just words to me. Like, it, it sounds lovely now. Um, but, of course, I had shut my heart down for years. There was nothing left. And so I said, okay, thank you. But I've heard we've, we've been around this circle so many times where there's been promises and nothing, right? So that was that. Yeah, and, and, and uh, obviously God was r had really gotten a hold of me. Um, I was very open and receptive to him. Um, and... Uh, 
not only with with the marriage, but uh, also I got into recovery uh, right away, even though our marriage was in a shambles um, with no real hope in sight. I got into a, a very good recovery group. Um, I got connected with men. I had confessed my uh, secret addiction. I brought it to light um, and, and healing and, and uh, recovery was starting on that. And the encouragement I have and this story that I always share for men, it's hard for us to, to be open and to share our secrets um, which is what the enemy wants. Um, but when we stick together um, and fight for each other and have each other's back, um, uh, that's where real freedom is. And, and I'll never forget um, one of the first mornings, and I'm talking f- 4 or 5 a.m., I, f- I phoned a guy. And he didn't even say hi. He said, his first words on the phone were, I was wondering when you were going to call. And, and that's the kind of... Um, that that's the kind of relationship with another man that I had never had, and um, the, those are the kind of relationships that are brought to me through God. The glory is His, but that saved my life. So I was extremely angry and still at the point of, well, I was, our marriage was done before, never mind now I know all this. Of course it's 100% done. And I was like, I, I, I don't want to live together. Like, you need to leave. And um, the, first, the night we came home, our parents were over. So we had to sleep in the same bed that night when everything blew up. Yeah, that was, that was not, God has a sense of humor, right? Yeah. So we were the farthest away on the edge of the bed for that night. Um, anyway. It wasn't uh, really, I wouldn't call it sleeping. Yeah, we didn't no. really sleep. So whoa, where was I going with that? Oh, so I really wanted him to leave, obviously, and I said, you got, you got to leave. And, well, fine, if you're not leaving, then you will go downstairs. So he moved his stuff downstairs, but he refused to leave. Um, and unknown to me, he told, he told me later, but God really clearly spoke to you. Yeah, I guess um, uh, that in that journey, God had really challenged me um, regarding my wife. I, I had started reading the Bible. Um, I couldn't sleep, so I started reading the Bible for the first time in my life um, each morning. Um, and I, I started reading about uh, marriage. I just went to the back of the Bible, and I looked up marriage, and I said, oh, I'm going to read all the verses on marriage. And I just went from Genesis right through, um, and then I got to the verse uh, in Ephesians 5.25, where it talks about loving your wife as Christ loved the church. And I started to really learn what God, um, not what we as men in the world um, view, a, or look, view a husband as, but what God calls a husband to. And, and that's a pretty high standard. Uh, if, if, if you've, I'm sure a lot of you have read it and know it, but it's a very high standard. Um, and uh, God really challenged me. He said, uh, Sarah's your wife, um, and she, she's, been, she's been let down, she's been betrayed, she's been hurt by every other uh, man that's been in her life. So you're her husband, and I'm asking you, to just love her like I ask you to love her, and that's with no conditions, and not leave her, not walk out on her. Um, I'm chall- he challenged me to not walk out on her and just love her unconditionally like he loves her. Yeah, so to my, I was furious not knowing, you know, that God had challenged him on this. And, you know, God knows what we need more than we do, and I thought I wanted him to leave so desperately, but in the end, because he refused to leave, that was part of the healing, because he, he became the one man who never walked out of me, and, and, and so much so that God put him through the, the, the ringer with that, because I became so angry. If you are not going to leave, then you are going to watch me get dressed up, and I'm going to tell you where I'm going. So I'm going to go upstairs, I'm going to get dressed up, and then I'm going to come down, and I'm going to say, see you later. And I'm going to look really good. And you're going to know where I'm going. So you're going to refuse to leave. How long is this going to last? And I, I was like that caged animal kind of in the corner, where I, I, I'm wounded. I don't know this, though, right? And I am so biting. My claws are out. And I am being as spiteful as I can to him because he's he's gonna leave I there's there was nothing in me that thought no he's gonna leave eventually so if I become this way it'll hurt less if if I am the one that pushes him out right it rather than we're abandoned if we're vulnerable and stuff right so if I'm clawing at him and he leaves that'll be easier for me to process and so I got dressed up and I walked out that door and he knew where I was going and um, the one night I had gotten in the car and I got a ding on my phone. And it was not, I wasn't far down the road and, the, and it was from him. And it just said, Sarah, I just want you to know you looked absolutely beautiful tonight. 
and that sat with me. And it didn't. I still went. But I remember that sitting and thinking, how is that possible that, that somebody could be so unconditionally loving me when I just, he knows I'm going out with him. And he sent me that text. And I started to absorb that there's a father in heaven who loves me that much that he's willing to be wounded for me and still say, but I still love you and I still think you're beautiful. And I started to really feel God's love through Matt start to kind of crack open a little bit of that stone in me. Yeah. And um, I, I just want to, I want to stress that this is not this is not a story about me. This is a story about God. Uh, and and it, uh, if you could, if you could see those moments um, where maybe I would do something like that, that uh, wasn't I wasn't doing it happily, and and uh, and uh, I, I I didn't f- like necessarily even feel it. Right? It's like, but I knew I was trying to do what was right, and, and God was really speaking to me and, and showing me what was right. Um, so the biggest thing that I learned in this process. Um, yeah, like it was, there was an angry, and I didn't even know that, that specific night. I remember when she walked out the door, um, I was, I was absolutely, um, beside myself, right? Like that was, that that hurt so much to see that. And I just remember going in the basement and just, and just yelling and, and, and screaming and, and collapsing on the floor. Um, and then God kind of showed, uh, prompting me to send that particular text message. I didn't know why, but now when I hear a testimony and the impact it had on her, it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with, with God speaking to Sarah. Mm-hmm. God's pursuit of us, right? And um, so Matt's obedience to God really started to um, just show me that maybe there was a little bit of worth left in me is what I started to kind of think or feel or maybe, you know. And, and so I kind of reached the point where it had been for sure three to four weeks of this blow up and I ran a home daycare and kids and there had not been any time for me to process or kind of just have time for me to kind of just have that space and I'm a person that needs music and my own space to really process and I'm a worshiper and that's how I God speaks to me and I had no time my house was always full and so I asked Matt can you just take the kids for the weekend and I just need to process like I need to because I knew I could feel God's voice saying come on Sarah like just let me back in like let me back and I knew I wanted it but it was I remember thinking it's a road full of pain each way and I remember being so frustrated that if I choose to leave him like I thought I was it's a road full of pain because our kids and it's messy and it's painful and if I choose Matt it's a road full of pain because I have to go through eight years of lies and now I have to let myself feel for him and that's going to hurt even more because I'm going to be betrayed by him and feel the pain and so I remember just being like there I don't I can't do this God I, this road is pain and this road is pain and you're I don't know how to do it and so but he thankfully he agreed to take the kids and I remember just I had my phone right next to my and I there was a worship I don't know how I had it but I had this worship CD downloaded I don't know from when but I pressed play and it was just um some of the the (laughs) the songs were about dry bones coming back to life and um his healing oil just kind of flowing over and I just started to cry and I probably for sure cried from like whatever time I woke up all the way until for sure midnight like I cried and I just and God really started to just speak to me about Sarah I'm with you in this you choose your marriage you choose it I'll be with you I've got you you're worth this we can do this and um, so I really at that point made that choice like okay and I had nothing left for Matt like I choosing that it didn't mean all the feelings came rushing back no but I just knew that okay like our kids are worth this I'm worth this I think we got to do it you know and when everything had blown up remember Matt specifically saying Sarah every day I'm going to ask you if you need a hug and I know I'm the last person you want to hug from, but I know you need one from somebody. And so every day I'm just going to offer it to you. I'm just going to say, do you want a hug? And you can say no every day, but I'm going to just ask every day. <clears throat> so every day he had been saying, do you want a hug? No. Do you want a hug? No. Do you want a hug? No. So that was just the pattern. And that weekend after God really spoke to me, Matt came home without the kids that Sunday, and he walked in the door, and the music was on, and... um. He said, do you want a hug? And I said, yes. 
and we just hugged and cried together. And being a child that had not learned to cry or on anybody's shoulders or to really have that safety net of somebody else, that was a huge moment for me to just cry on his shoulder and to learn that he can be this safety net. And I guess really important, he, as I was being so hateful and spiteful, he was turning into a man that I did not think possible. He was up every morning at five in the morning. I would come down, there was his Bible open, like some sort of like book about being a godly man, and he was out the door to his meetings. He was taking the kids to church. I was the one sleeping in, saying, I'm done. Like, I was so done, right? <clears throat> he was getting up. They would be off to church. I'd wake up. The house was silent. They were out to church. God completely took him and started to do, I call it a Cinderella thing. It wasn't even like a 180. It was like that whole, woo, and there was like that brand new, beautiful. That's who, what God did with Matt while I was kind of doing my own thing. And so it was almost like, this is too good to be true. How can this be possible? It's going to end eventually. Um, this is, so I, can, I don't know that I can do this. I can give him my heart that I can be vulnerable. And, um, but it hasn't stopped. <laughs> like um, when we embraced that night and we just decided, you know, we laid and we just prayed and 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 just decided, okay, we're in this, you know, let's mm -hmm. do this. And so yeah, um, and and uh, that night obviously was a huge, powerful, uh, uh, spirit-filled night where we came together and we cried. I mean, we're talking hours and hours uh, of just crying and and laying together and, and a lot of healing. Um, but um, and that was that's been about I guess uh, three and a half years ago today uh, from now sorry um, and 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 um, it's been a lot of hard work I mean we're we're here today we're sharing our testimony which is which is what we know we're called to do because we didn't go through that um, for no reason right we went through that to show that how amazing uh, God is and that He is in the business of healing and the business of miracles. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would say for me personally, my, my road of recovery hasn't, hasn't stopped and will it never stop. Uh, I've been completely sober from, from all alcohol and drugs and, and, and pornography for, for over three years now. Um, um, thanks, thanks to God. Um, and our marriage is... Uh, thank you. Um, and our marriage has come a long way. It's been a long, hard road of rebuilding. But as, as Sarah uh, started uh, at the beginning with the story of Ezekiel, um, like you said, there was nothing, right? It was absolutely not. There wasn't even. There wasn't. There was not even. Uh, uh, there was nothing. It was a, it was a pile of uh, old, uh, rotten, dry bones. And uh, and here we are today, um, sharing our story. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? It's 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 crazy. Um, and uh, but we're very excited um, to, to share it. And anything else you want to add to that? Uh, just, I think it's really important to note that God can give you that m miraculous change, which He did. But if you don't continue, we could end up back there again. You, you, you can never stop then pursuing God. You can never stop pursuing him because the tendency is for me to go, to start to look elsewhere for that self-worth and for him to go that way. We can never stop from now till we die. Um, so I think realizing that, that our marriage can go to crap again. Like it's not, oh wow, now from here on out it's that fairy tale ending. It's not that. And so it's incredible but if we ever become complacent or ungrateful or forget what he's done, then we're in trouble. And um, so I just, yeah, the Valley of Dry Bones, I think I just really want you guys to know that it doesn't matter to God if it's been buried for years. If you will give it to God, he is the God of the impossible. Um, he is an incredible God who pursues hearts and wants you to know your worth and wants to show you that the, those painful spots where it's like each road is full of pain. He's like, yeah, but I'll walk through it with you. I got your hand. Give me your hand. Let's walk through it. And yes, it's painful, but I got you. And he'll take us through that if we let him carry us, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that's. So yeah, that's uh, that's basically our our, our story. 